Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. One for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, take you up until, well, just before noon uh, here as we talk. And we got a lot of sports to talk about today and certainly grateful for that as we kind of get a little bit of sense of, just a little bit of sense of yes. some sports that we can opine on Monday. And certainly the next week is the NFL draft. You know, a week from today, we'll be looking back at some of the reaches uh, can't believe Epinesa's still out there. Perhaps there's certainly a lot of mock drafts that don't have him in the first round. I, I'll believe that when I see it personally. Uh, where did Tua go? Did, well, how many trades were there? Uh, it's, it's always been to me the official midway point of the off season in football. Midway point. And it's kind of funny that you, you put it that way because to I'm me, not sure it, it is this year, by the way. Well, <laughs> this year is a little bit different, but. I guess it just doesn't feel like the midpoint to me. It feels like, I don't know, still the early stages, maybe just because of the length of the summer sometimes. Yeah. And well, how... see, July to me is, is part of football. I know there's no football. Yeah, see, you're weird. But there's media days, there's I mean, training. For a myriad of different reasons. Right. But yeah. That's another one. <laughs> uh, there's training camps. Yeah, see, I, I don't quite get quite The magazines there. are out. Speaking of that, do you think Phil Steele is going to come out on time? Funny you mentioned that, Trent. I thought about that earlier in the week, and I thought maybe we should reach out to him. Oh, that's and a I good totally idea. I totally forgot all about yeah. it. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, that's a great question, right? I mean, he goes through, I mean, the information is great. Uh-huh. But he also, the work that he puts into it, not just in terms of stats and numbers and, and rosters and everything else, but also he talks to coaches. Yeah. He he goes to spring games. Mm-hmm. He watches all these spring games that are going on. He doesn't. He doesn't have that. I'm sure he's still going to do it, mm-hmm. but without knowing what it is. Well, do you even take the risk? I mean, seriously, because it, all of a sudden you put it out and, and there's yeah. no football, or there is, but the schedule is completely different, and it's a, yeah. a six game schedule, whatever it may be. And he put that out there, and it's it's dead weight. I, it's, that's what I'm wondering too. That's that's the angle I looked at it when I when I thought about. It. I mean, do you even? Go to the, not the trouble, that's his job, mm-hmm, right. but do you send it to the publisher knowing that there's going to be an incredible cost associated with it? And those, I mean, they used to fly off shelves, folks. We used to have to buy books. We didn't have to go online. Right. It was a different world. <laughs> it was a different world 10 years ago. Um, whatever it's been. But you get my point. Do you, do you go, do you, do you, do you gam- that's a risk. That's a risk if you want to go to that, uh, uh, spend that money and we'll see. But it's, uh, I don't know the answer. What would you do? I'd go. Uh-huh. I mean, that's what he does, right? right? And even if the season's different? Because he's usually, what, late June. I think the first one's Athlon. Um, 
is it Street and Smith's? Is yeah, they, yeah, they're out there. Some of them are like early May. They get on the uh, high vs They used to have stacks Lindy's. of them. Now, Lindy's, that's another good one. Now they got two or three, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like the newspaper. Remember, you used to go to the store on Sunday morning or any day, and there'd be stacks of the registers, yes. right? Now there's three, four. Airports, same way. Absolutely. I'm one of the few. In fact, uh, one of my buddies sent me a birthday message on Facebook, just yeah. wished me happy birthday over the weekend. And uh, he had a picture of an old USA Today. Happy birthday to the only guy that can I, that I know that can read the USA Today sports section for two hours. No, I'm That's what you. it was. Fr- Fridays, yep. I would get done with class. I would pick up a USA Today along with, depending, maybe a register, maybe a Waterloo Curry, whatever it is. And I would sit there and I'd be doing my betting. So I'd be going to the agate type and I'd obviously be making my picks through there looking at some different numbers, but I would literally sit there, either go to the school union and sit at a table for hours mm-hmm. looking at right. the USA Today sports section. You know how I used to kill a time between flights at airports? And I, I'm guessing people thought, you know, that's poor son of a bitch doesn't got a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go from gate to gate to gate uh-huh. and try and find sports sections from ah. other cities. You know, people are reading them. They just, yep. they've already read it. They leave it there for the next guy, mm-hmm. right? Um but I used to kill time, and I would—I'd score three or four different papers from around the from from different—not the entire paper, just about the sports. Mm-hmm. But oh, it was um, yeah, I killed so much time going from gates to gates, and I looked like, anyways. What one, one of my uh, favorite stories, Chris Andrews from the South Point in Vegas. How's he doing, by the way? He's doing good. Good. I uh, texted with him a week or two ago. Still, he still because of his health issues, he has to completely quarantine himself. His wife, when they go off for groceries and those type of things. She has to do that, make sure they disinfect everything. So it's still touch and go with him there, but he's still feeling great. Everything's going well. But uh, back in the day, back in the 80s, when he was really getting started, and just the slew of newspapers that'd be delivered to his offices every single day. And some of them, they wouldn't get until later in the afternoon. They wouldn't get the, the information that they needed from across the country. Lines would be posted already. They'd already have numbers out there and then, Oh, we got to adjust this as you're reading something no question. from across the country because kids, there was no internet no, back then. No, it was newspaper. And that was, in fact, when, when I, when in Winnipeg, when I was a kid, we had an, our paper was an afternoon paper. Yeah. So I would be just giddy to read yesterday's, there's games already over that played in the afternoon, but I was getting yesterday's box scores and just, that's the only, it's what we knew, right? Right. That, that was a great thing too, because well, we'd get the register or the Mason city globe Gazette, which would be the morning paper, but we'd have the afternoon paper with the Waterloo Courier. So those late box scores that I didn't have from earlier in the day, I would get those box scores in the afternoon. I spent so much time reading newspapers. I got in so much trouble in class in (laughs) elementary school, going to the library, picking up all over your hand, and then you're leaving it all over the counter or wherever, right? Free time is supposed to be about reading books, Trent, not newspapers. (laughs) I did it you differently. You know what? Words are words, right? Right. That's where I learned to read in the newspaper. My first word that I learned was my name. My dad pointed to Kenny Plain, former Hawkeye. Yeah. That's your name. I, I vividly remember this as a, as a, I mean, a tiny little kid being told that, and it was, who knew that I would end up in the state of Iowa? Right. <laughs> all those, uh, those years later. Anyways, we digress. So, um, the draft is next week, this weekend, last dance. I don't know about you, but I have stayed clear. I have totally avoided mm-hmm. anything that would, 
you know, I, I don't want I don't want to know what I'm going to be watching on Sunday night. I really want to see this unfold. In fact, I started to a couple of days ago. I thought, you know what? I'm going to refresh my memory on the '97 '98 season. Mm-hmm. And I started. I just clicked on something. I thought, you know what? I don't want to do this. I want to go through it like I'm doing the, like I'm seeing this movie, a ten parter, albeit for the first time. I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast that came out last night, and he talked to the director of it, and there were a couple of parts where like, yeah, I don't want to know that. Yeah. And in fact, he did a good job of saying, Did he? Hey, don't, don't, no spoilers. Spoiler alert. No, yes. Or, hey, no, don't tell that story. Let the people watch it right. because that's the way that I want to consume this. I want to Me do too. it and be able to just relive it in a different mm-hmm. way and not have the background. See what my memories are like from 22 years ago, my yeah. senior year of high school. <laughs> Which is Senior wild to think about. High school, wow. Senior year of high school. That was ninety seven, ninety eight. That's wild. And the the last dance. How fun that's going to be oh, on it's Sunday gonna, night. It's going to be great, Trent. Eight o'clock for uh, for number one. Number two uh, comes out right after at nine o'clock. So we'll have one and two to talk about on Monday, and just some of the memories. And again, if uh, if you haven't heard, ESPN will. Uh, it will be unedited. ESPN2 has the bleeps. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching it with the, the youngsters in the family or whatever, and uh, ESPN2 uh, has the edited version of what we are going to hear on ESPN. But that's it's, it's going to be great. I just can't wait. Guest list today. I know Tom Caker was oh, a Bulls fan. The BMW fan. of Des Moines yes. guest list. Tom Caker, Bulls fan. Mm-hmm. What are Alex Halstead? Now, Alex is a little bit younger. Well, Dylan grew up in Chicago, so I knew he probably Probably, yeah. I'm, I don't know about Halstead. Halstead, he's a North Iowa guy like myself. I'm going okay. to guess he probably was, but he's in his late 20s, I want to say early 30s, mm-hmm. something like that. So it would be certainly the tail end of that career. And remembering that, we'll have to ask, ask Alex a little bit if... Uh, if he was a Bulls fan growing up, because it felt like everybody was. Even if you didn't like them, they weren't your team. Right. You had to watch them. They were they were just a, a role. They were the Beatles. They were. They absolutely it were. It was so different. Yeah. Uh, LifeServe Iowa is going to come back. LifeServe uh, Blood Center is going to come back on. Danielle West, they sent out, an, I think, a very encouraging press release yesterday. The first patient in Iowa... Uh, has received plasma to fight COVID nineteen. So this is this uh, the plasma, covalescent plasma mm-hmm. from somebody who's been through the coronavirus. Uh, they've he's donated his or her plasma. We don't know, uh, and it has been given to somebody that's in the throes of uh, COVID right now. So we'll see if there's you know what they've learned, but. You know, that was kind of when I read that for for the first time, I thought, you know what, we're taking some steps forward. Here we are. We're, you know, baby steps, sure. Right. Yep. Uh, but we're going to have uh, Danielle West on from LifeServe Blood Center in Iowa to tell us all about what's going on there. And maybe they need some, you know, there's a, some donor need. I'm sure there is. There always is. So we'll talk to her just before 11. Oh, yeah, we have that going on, the continued push through different people inside the science world in the in the medical fields and what they're able to do, which gives certainly optimism for me. That's something that you said has kept you optimistic is just knowing that the brightest, the mm-hmm. best, they are working on this. In every right country. Now. Everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Really good point because not just this isn't just something that we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. This is worldwide. And you have all these people that are also going through that. Also got the rollout and we're not going to go political on this, but the rollout from the White House, and reading through that, I was also encouraged. Oh, the, the phases, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I was too. I was too. I wasn't overly optimistic when I first heard. I said, oh yeah. boy, is it going to be too quick? Is it? 
That's my fear. It's my fear because of, well, a couple of things. A, um, you know, health-wise. Yes, yeah. But B, I don't want sports to be, you know, get to get almost to the sports, and now we're right back to where we were. Right. we got to do this again, and then obviously they'll be shelving sports all over the place. Because we'll we saw see. that, what, in Japan, where they or was were... was it South Korea? They were going to start baseball. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Well, baseball is being played in Taiwan, I want to say. It is, yeah. I mean, Japan was about to start in... I think they brought people back in early April, and then they had to shut it down again yeah. because, again, too quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's going to be things. There's going to be those kind of stories that are still going to come out. There are going to be teams. There are going to be leagues that are going to be hit hard still by this until there's a vaccine. But well, how about Von Miller? Yeah. Eesh. Good thing that uh, Glazer didn't hold on to that one for too long. We yeah, didn't talk about that no, yesterday. No, that was uh, that was what a an bad error. Look. Yeah, that that's a, that was an error on his part. Who's been pretty good? He's had yes. a pretty good career. At what he does, um, but yeah, for him to tease a major, major, major announcement and then to um, and and I'll do it tomorrow night at, at eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. So he sat on it for twenty four hours, and then it was an NFL player who tested positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, we'd see. I want to know about a trade. I, I don't want to know right. about. It's not health is. Yeah. I thought he overstepped his bounds a little yeah. bit. Anyways, we all made mistakes. Uh, that was uh, one on his part. We're going to talk, speaking of NFL, we're going to get into the NFL. We'll hear the governor's press conference, uh, uh, press conference as we always do. We carry it for about 25 minutes, and we'll do so again today at 11 o'clock. Matt Manassarian, he's a former scout for the Browns and the Saints. He's now with Sports Info Solutions, very knowledgeable on the NFL draft. He's going to join us at 1130-ish. And then, as we always do in our final segment on Friday, we recap the restaurants that we had on earlier in the week, Tuesday and Thursday. We do Trent and I do restaurant radio, uh, where uh, we take I don't know forty minutes, forty five minutes out of the uh, out of the program and bring on ten restaurants both days, and they get essentially a two or three minute infomercial to tell our audience what they're doing and how our audience can help support by stopping by and taking out carry out, and we will recap the restaurants we had this week. If you want to be a part of next week, um, we're already starting to fill up on Tuesday. Ken Miller Show at gmail.com. Ken Miller Show at gmail.com. There is no charge for this. No charge. No catch. Come on on. Tell us what you're doing at your restaurant. Well, Tom Caker's going to come on on in a little bit uh, at the latest on the Hawks. You see that McCaffrey got a kid for 2022. Is that what I saw? He, did he get a commitment or I, an offer? I thought. I mean, the pictures with Mc. I never clicked on it. To be honest. Okay, because it, it the, was too far in the. It's a big. He's a big kid. The big tall kid. You're right. Yeah, I don't think they got a commitment from him. It was. Is, an is, offer. It was an offer. Okay. Yeah. So he offered a, a kid. That, boy, he looks like he's seven foot. Yeah, he's bespeckled and yeah, looks a little goofy. So what grade? What he's what? He's a sophomore in high school. Now? Yeah, yeah. From up in New York, his old stomping grounds. Oh, of course, Fran with the connections. Okay. Riley Mulvey is his name. Listed at six foot ten, class of twenty twenty two. But those are the kids twenty twenty two class. Is what we're talking about now. 2023 is the freshman class going through school, which is ridiculous to think about. But yeah, uh, a big kid, and I was done well with these guys. You know, they, the under the radar guys, this whole recruiting class coming in this year, 
and you see some of the guys starting to pop a little bit more and getting more mm-hmm. national recognition, boy, you got to give credit to Fran McCaffrey. He has missed on some of those big targets. He's had a good 12 months. Yes, he has. Now, it wasn't always this way, uh-huh. uh, but he's had a good, good 12 months. Conversely, in Ames, uh, it has not been good. Swing 2020 and has not been good for Steve Prohm. And every single top list that they are for these transfers, they need to fill the right. They yeah. need such an influx of talent. They're not getting it. Well, there's there's a kid now, Trent, that uh, that uh, narrowed his list down to six. I don't remember the kid's name. I'm sure Alex Hall did it, and he put the logos of the schools up. And there, were, I had to look. Sacred Heart was one. I of had them. no idea. I thought Cal that, State Northridge. There's another one. Yeah. Was another one. And uh, Butler. Butler. Uh, New Mexico or New Mexico? I think it was New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't exactly the who's no. who of college basketball. And the the only quote Power Five. Uh, was was Iowa State, and I mean, are, are they settling at this point? They're just looking for. They almost have to settle at this yeah. point, right? It has not gone you well. Have four open scholarships. It's crazy. Nothing has filled it yet. Uh, we will uh, talk to Alex Halstead, but right, uh, right now we will do our keyword. KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Another winner in the building, another winner down the hall. I'm getting PO'd. Text <laughs> the keyword. No, I'm happy people are winning. Don't get me wrong. I wish it was KXNO. Yes. Uh, text the keyword BILLS to 200-200 right now. That's BILLS to 200-200. That's your chance to win $1,000. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. BILLS to 200-200. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com, Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. Today. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Coming up this hour, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Danielle West from LifeServe Iowa Blood Center. Uh, we will uh, talk to Danielle. Some positive news coming out of their uh, press release sent out. We will talk to Danielle coming up in about, oh, 25 minutes or thereabouts. Right now, Tom Caker, that's what that music meant. Uh, HawkeyeReport.com. He joins the program as we take a look at this past week uh, with Hawkeye Sports. Kirk Ferentz was Zooming. How about that, Tom Caker? <laughs> How are you? Yeah, he's... he's uh... Uh, who's zooming who, right? We'll get the, <laughs> yeah. the uh, Aretha Franklin playing next week, okay? I uh, never thought we'd see it, Tom, but he's that. that's the way that, uh, you know, everybody's uh, staying connected or one of the ways right now. And uh, Kirk, uh, Gary Barta last week did it the similar fashion. Kirk Ferentz uh, Zoomed and met some of the media, et cetera. What, uh, one or two of your takeaways from uh, uh, from that experience? Um, not a lot of news from Kirk in that, that one. I didn't think it was just more kind of keeping in touch. And, you know, I tried to ask him a football question because <laughs> otherwise we're just going to spend the whole time talking about, uh, you know, the COVID-19 and football stuff with related to, you know, what if this happens or what if that happens and February games and all that other stuff. But, uh, um, you know, one of the things that really kind of came up was, uh, you know, just how much it, it 
hurt some guys that they didn't get to have a, a pro day for from the right. NFL perspective when we look ahead to next week in the NFL draft that you know a guy like AJ Epinesa who might be sliding a little bit we'll see um you know he kind of campaigned for him just in terms of uh you know how he uh, put in the tape kind of kind of yeah. message uh, and watch that don't worry about the the 40 time and you know he mentioned a guy like Kristen Welsh who's uh um you know didn't get a, get to go to the combine and you know he thinks he can you know do something in the NFL but he wasn't able to have like uh you know a true pro day uh, that um that that they would like to have had you know the quarterback position would be something we would have been digging deep into here throughout spring practice yeah. Kirk, uh, during that call, that Zoom call said that would have been their 10th practice, which is crazy to think wow. about. That's what we'd be in, in the midst of right now if uh, we did have normalcy. But the quarterback position, I mean, how big of a step up? I think most everybody believes Spencer Petras is going to be the starter. I don't think you're going to find a whole lot of people outside of that. But how big of a leg up do you believe he has over the rest of the quarterbacks? Well, I think it's it's pretty significant just because Deuce Hogan's not here yet. You know, he's not in Iowa City yet. Um, and he's not going to get there until hopefully, hopefully they'll allow him to be there in June. We'll see, you know, when campus opens up again. Uh, and then, um, you've got the Padilla there as well. Um, I think Spencer's got a pretty significant leg up on, on everything. But having said that, Boy, this would have just been, I mean, more than any other position, this would have been valuable for him just to, um, you know, kind of get the feel of, uh, being the one, uh, not, you know, not looking over Nate Stanley's uh, shoulder a little bit and just uh, kind of owning the team a little bit, growing as a leader with the team. Uh, I, I think it would have been a, a huge, um, huge 15 practices for, for Spencer. You know, Tom, I want to go back to the draft just because I'm, I'm not, I'm anxious to get to your, if, if you know more about this, I think they're calling it the virtual green room. I mean, obviously first rounders, right? One of the things they look forward to is if they're in attendance is to walking across that stage and to get that Jersey and to hear the seats, see the fans in attendance and hear the, uh, the cheering or the booze in some respects, if the jets take you um, normally uh, and to have your picture taken with Roger Goodell. I, I know there's been, there's dozens of kids, uh, dozens of players that the NFL is going to make possible. I think they're calling it a virtual green room. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, they're, um, I, I don't know if they're going to Skype them in or Zoom them in or what they're going to do, but it's going to be some virtual stuff. I actually talked to um, AJ Epinesa this week for a story that I put up the other day, and he, you know, he's really kind of bummed because uh, they had they were uh, going to have a ton of family there. They have family in California. They have some actually some family in Vegas. Um, it was just such a big deal for for the entire uh, kind of Epinesa clan. And he he has so many cousins uh, that I've met over the years that it's it's crazy how many <laughs> relatives he has. Uh, it's like he's almost related to everyone. Um, and they were all going to converge on Vegas and because uh, AJ had been invited and, and they were going to have, make a big family event out of it. So now he told me that they're going to all dress up. They're going to do kind of a, their own red carpet at their house nice. and just kind of make the best of, of the situation. So I'm still hopeful that AJ is going to go in the first round. I just, you know, the tape, tape don't lie. He can't, no. 
he can't hide on tape. I'll believe it when I see it if he's not a first-day pick. That, that's kind of where, yeah, but certainly my line of thinking, too. Talking with Tom Caker at com. Tom, one more on uh, Kirk's Zoom conference, and he was asked about the possibility of the season shifting back and being played in spring, and, and that was one where at least reading through the response from Kirk felt like, Maybe some pullback there, yeah. thinking about that many of games. What do you say, compact- 24 games in a calendar yeah. year? Yeah. How difficult that would be physically and just on the program as a whole. I was a little bit surprised to hear that, but it certainly makes sense when you think about it. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And I had not thought of it in that context, but when you think about it in that context, it is a lot. And, you know, one of the stories that I've heard talking to a few people. Um, some people that uh, covering the SEC teams, kind of maybe the thought if it gets pushed back to February uh, is that maybe you just play conference games and you just do that. So you kind of limit the exposures a little bit more uh, and, you know, maybe play nine or ten conference games instead of playing 12 and you kind of try to mitigate the wear and tear a little bit in in that manner. And maybe you don't have bowl games or something. I you know I don't know how you would how you would do it. Isn't the top line item that we got this week was the comments from Bob Bowles? Without a doubt, all those people. Yep. The, that was the top line, isn't it? It, it? it it's the thing I think we've all wondered about. Yep. Would they even try to have football without students on campus? The answer is no. And the answer is. No. Yeah. Um, can that change? Yes, it sure. can change. But right now, I think they've been kind of told by the academic side or the university side that if students aren't on campus, you guys aren't going to be playing football. Yeah, that would burst that amateur balloon very quickly, Tom. Uh, I think if they yeah. asked the players to play, and um, you know, the cost of doing business, maybe maybe giving up a year is more important to them as far as uh, giving up amateur status overall. That was a big takeaway, Tom. Uh, no doubt about. It. Just we're, real quick on this on on Riley Mulvey, uh, who's um, I guess a 2022. You've got him up at HawkeyeReport.com. He received a scholarship yeah. offer from Co- Coach McCaffrey. Um, Trent said he's a six ten kid uh, from uh, from the New York area. What can you tell us about it? And um, at six ten, I'm guessing he's going to have a bunch of offers come his way in the next couple of years. Yeah, I talked to his coach yesterday, and you know, Fran is still kind of a legend in Albany, and <laughs> they just love him uh, still there for what he did at Siena. And um, actually, uh, I think it's when Connor was younger, maybe um, that. Um, Riley's uh, brother um, was playing AAU basketball with Connor, I think. And and when they were in like fourth grade, uh, Fran actually coached their AAU team. So, <laughs> um, uh, so he's got a long relationship with the Mulvey family, and uh, Riley's pretty excited about the offer. Interesting kid. He's more of a defensive kid right now. You know, really good at rim protection and and uh, you know playing in the post and playing post defense. But he's got he had a bunch of good offensive players with Mondre Jackson, who Iowa was really involved with uh, pretty deeply. Is going to UConn. Was one of the players on that team. So he didn't have to score a lot. He still averaged double figures in points and rebounds as a sophomore and averaged six blocks a game. So. I think I was probably, you know, it's early, early, early. So just emphasize that. But I think I was in pretty good shape with him, you know, at least out of the gate. One more recruiting note on the football side. Jordan Aladukun, 
I probably don't have that right. Yeah. Regardless, a, a cornerback from down in the uh, Florida area, he picks Iowa, visited last year, and a guy that has a couple of teammates that have some interest in the Hawks, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Dolph always cringes when he hears these names, so you just got to <laughs> let that out there right away. That's a cringeworthy moment for Dolph, but... Uh, we'll just call him Jordan, and uh, you know that one kind of came out of left field a little bit. Um, but I think he just was really sold, even though he hasn't, you know, really kind of taken that that uh, big visit to Iowa. But I think he's just told, sold on the history of the program with defensive backs and Phil Parker. The guy to watch with him now too is uh, Ricky Parks, a running back out of Florida, who. Um, is really, really talented and, um, you know, we think is probably leaning a little bit towards uh, Iowa right now. So um, if they can get him and, uh, you know, this all kind of starts with, with Dane Belton too because he, you know, kind of knows all those guys too and they've seen what Dane's been able to do and been able to play right away. So that's always very attractive to players. Tom Caker at com. Tom, this time next week we'll recap the – two Hawkeyes that went in the first round and speculate where the rest of them will go uh, when you join us next week. Thank you, Tom. Have a great week. Just real quick, what are you doing Sunday night? Uh, watching the Bulls thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Figured so. Watching the Bulls thing. I mean, it's just, God, I'm just so excited for that. That's just, uh, you know, for a lot of uh, a lot of reasons, uh, that, that team just has a special place uh for me, I lost my dad that spring, so oh, okay. um, that that team kind of got me through some tough times. Just enjoying them, so it was uh, it was uh, you know I'm going to enjoy reliving that season. Indeed, Tom, great stuff. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Good to talk to you. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com uh, joining us here on the program. From the Hawks to the Clones, we will uh, get Daniel West from LifeServe Blood Center here and I. By the way, did you see Chris Hassel's work on CBS uh, HQ? Yes, it was excellent as always. What did I tell you about this dude? He's yeah. costing his family money staying in sports. <laughs> He's so talented. So talented. Boy, it was good. Really good. I'm sure most of you have watched it. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Yeah. Find Chris Hassel on Twitter and watch it. You'll enjoy especially if you're an NFL fan. Uh, we will talk Cyclones with Alex Halstead next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO10. Thank you for supporting Food Bank of Iowa. Sports Station 1460 kicks and all. Let's spend a few minutes with Iowa State. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Uh, he joins the program. We'll save the basketball. Good news first. They've got another recruit. But, uh, Alex, you just shared something with Trent uh, off air uh, regarding where Iowa State would be in their spring football practices. What did you share with Trent? Share with our audience. Yeah, this should be the end of week four or five of spring ball. I think uh, tomorrow would have been... <clears throat> Spring practice number, I think, 11, and the, probably the second scrimmage, and the next week would be the final week leading into next Saturday, which would have been uh, the, the spring scrimmage. It would have not been a spring game this year. They were going to do it closed, but have you know parents and mm-hmm. uh, some people there. And, uh, yeah, four more practices left of spring ball. They would have had a little snow to deal with uh, here today, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately we don't get to even talk about any of that. I guess we can still speculate, but no spring ball this year. No spring football, but recruiting continues on, and Iowa State went down to Florida. We talked to Tom Kaker about a Florida cornerback for the Hawkeyes. The Cyclones with the same. Tell us a little bit about Noah Biglow. 
Yeah, Noah Biglow's uh, their most recent commit. They've actually had a flurry of commitments. I think three commits in the last uh, eight days. And so, you know, since Matt Campbell told us that he didn't think this would have a big effect on recruiting, uh, they've landed three commitments. And, and the latest is Biglow. He's you know six foot corner. Uh, could probably play safety, but right now we have him as a cornerback, uh, six foot one seventy five. Uh, out of high school down there in Florida. And they're going back to a familiar place. Uh, he's actually coming from the same high school, Armwood High School in Stephner, Florida, uh, that wide receiver Ezra Anderson came from uh, in the last recruiting cycle. And obviously Anderson's already had some success off the field. You know, he, he hasn't played. He registered last year, but he started traveling with the team last year. Uh, and, and Campbell thinks he could be one of the bright players from that class, uh, maybe beginning next year. And so they're going back to that same high school uh, and getting one of his former teammates uh, in, in the cornerback, Biglow. So they've got, now got eight commits in the class. They're up to number 23 nationally, and uh, all of a sudden they've got a little bit of momentum in, in terms of just starting to put some of the pieces together. Now, there's a lot of big pieces still out there. They've got some big targets that could decide in June or, or in the summer so long as those official visits are cleared to go, uh, which still kind of is up in the air as well. Yeah, no doubt about that. Sadly, it's very much up in the air. Well, what uh, kind of give us what you were looking forward to football wise back to spring practice? I mean, what were some of the things? Maybe a couple of the players that you were um, you know going to pay closer attention to that maybe their position has opened up due to graduation that they've been uh, waiting their time and you heard good things about last year. Uh, give us a couple of either positions or names uh, that you were looking forward to this spring. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. I think, you know, you would one uh, would be running back. I think Jirel Brock is going to be really interesting. Matt Campbell made some comments, I think, as we've talked about that. You know, by the middle of last year, Brock was starting to get a little bit closer to be neck and neck with Brees Hall behind the scenes. But obviously, Brees Hall was the guy. So can Jirel Brock take that, you know, next step and be kind of a one-two punch along with Hall? I think that would be interesting. Um, that's maybe not as big of a position of need because of what Hall did last year if he stays healthy. But that could be you know, really dynamic backfield if, if he becomes that top 247 type player that he was out of high school. I think, though, when you look at the positions that are going to be really intriguing to watch whenever they get to start practices again, I think there's really three of them probably that come to mind for me. One of them is wide receiver. We spent a lot of time last year talking about how they can replace Hakeem Butler and Matt Eaton, and they probably did it and then some. They, mm-hmm. they capably replaced them. But now you kind of have the same question with, you know, how can you replace um, what they're losing uh, this year, which is, is a, another 100-plus you know, I think receptions between the Michael Petway and Deshante Jones. So can Joe Skates, can Sean Shaw, uh, Darian Porter's a guy that we started to hear his name. Xavier Hutchinson, one of the top Jucos in the country. This would have been his his spring ball to kind of, you know, live up, start to live up to, you know, Matt Campbell's kind of hype. Um, so they have a lot of pieces they like, but, you know, which of those guys step up because they're going to need a couple of those guys to step up. Uh, then I think you move to defensive tackle, you know, losing Ray Lima and Jamal Johnson. Those are two big losses, but, you know, they bring in Latrell Banks, then a Juco. Uh, they think Josh Bailey or Isaiah Lee can start to take some steps, uh, kind of as now as upperclassmen, and Bailey's actually a senior. You know, so who steps up there? And I think the last spot is probably the third safety spot. I think, you know, right now Greg Eisworth and Lawrence White are probably plugged into two of those three safety spots, but that third one's up for grabs, and they've got a lot of names there. And Nasheem Young's going to be one to watch as a redshirt freshman. D.J. Miller as a true sophomore last year burned his red shirt, now he's going to be there. So they're going to have some young guys competing at that third spot, but I think that would have been really interesting uh, to watch that battle and hear from coaches about it. Over to a little basketball before we run out of time as we talk with Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, here on Miller & Condon. Alex, uh, basketball, before we get into the transfers in the market that continues to seem to dry up for Iowa State, last week they made an announcement, a new strength and conditioning coach 
with it? Do you expect any changes? You know, we've we've seen this in past different programs looking to fill different type of body types, getting guys bigger or getting guys back the other way and leaner and quicker. Any expectations at all that you can tell us about David Land and what he expects to do with strength and conditioning? Well, I think the one thing that jumps off the page right away is that he's obviously got a lot of familiar familiarity with uh, Steve Prohm. You know, they spent time together at Murray State, and so um, there's at least a connection, and that's kind of something you always see sometimes with strength and conditioning coaches is they have to obviously be pretty well aligned because of of the two things that go hand-in-hand hand with the offseason and, and workouts and that sort of thing. And so th- that will be there for sure. Um, you know, I think it will be interesting because I think Pete Link, um, who's, you know, left on his own volition, it sounds like he uh, – I'm not exactly sure where he's going to land, but it sounds like he pursued another opportunity somewhere. And um, so he, he leaves, and I think he had kind of changed some things to maybe be a little bit more, you know, weight-focused and that sort of thing. So it will be interesting to see – how much that changes. We haven't got to talk to Dave Land quite yet, but you know, he's coming from Virginia Tech. Um, you know, he had some success uh, at some uh, other mid-majors, and so it'll be interesting to see how much that changes because I think that's going to be one big question, especially probably for George Condit. Can he take that next step into his junior year? I think he's really the guy that you yep, look at when you think of strength and conditioning. He's the guy that comes to mind for me, and so what can Dave Land do with him in the next several months? I think he's going to be pretty big in terms of you know that forward position next year no no doubt about it well i guess one of the stories of the offseason is just how many uh swings and misses prom has done as he's gone after uh guys tried to get him into their program transfer sit outs and etc um hasn't gone well and then look these these kids when they leave and go to another school they want to go to a school and have a chance to win right they want to go to a school that's not going to finish towards the bottom and it certainly looks like Iowa State that that's the way they're trending at this point uh what can you tell us have they been I know that they've 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 got to the you know the final cut if you will a number of times but they've been unable to close the deal what do you think's behind it yeah it's it's been pretty difficult for them. I'm starting to the point where I can't probably even rattle off all the names. You know, there were you know three of them, but then this week just alone, the Michigan transfer, David Julius, and um, uh, then yesterday, Jacob Toppin. Toppin yeah. um, so that's two this week, and then there were about two or three the week prior, and that's just kind of counting kind of some of the better na- the handful of better names they've been after that they've made cuts for. There's been others that they've been connected with, and uh, the list is getting longer of, of misses, and it, it's kind of a combination of not only are they missing on some of these guys, but they've also got four spots to fill. And so it's, it's just becoming a really daunting task um, to try to figure out how you even, you know, put together the, the, the type of team you want next year. Cause right now they got nine scholarship guys. They'll get guys eventually, but you know, you really don't want to start reaching and end up with guys like um, say Jeff Beverly. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. And I think you know, it's probably been twofold. I think one of them, it, it is an uphill battle when you, you know, lose 20 games uh, as they did. I think that's something that they've got a, a hurdle that is just tougher to clear. I think not getting kids to campus, I think, hurts a little bit. I think mm-hmm. that's one thing, Brian, that's always been big, both football and basketball. Getting kids to campus, I think they see kind of a, another side of things. And so I think that's hurt a little bit. And, you know, so this whole pandemic hasn't, hasn't helped. But at the same time, they've got a lot to sell just with minutes and, and different stuff. And, and so they still should, should be able to get some guys and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where they turn from here next. There's, there's some other guys they've been connected with, but most of the top-tier guys are now off the board, and it'll be interesting to see do they wait out and see more, more guys are going to keep transferring. You know, Do they kind of stay patient, or um, do they get kind of in a little bit of a, a situation where they start to take some guys? Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Alex, as always, thank you. We'll talk to you next week.
Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate you coming on. Alex Halstead as uh, he covers Iowa State. Well, uh, the folks at uh, LifeServe Blood Center, Trent, sent out a very encouraging press release yesterday. We want mm-hmm. to get Daniel West back in here to see what the uh, LifeServe Blood Center, what uh, what we can do to spread the news that p- perhaps they need help, donors, etc. But the press release, and Daniel joins us, first patient in Iowa uh, to receive convalescent plasma to fight, co- to fight COVID-19. That is encouraging news, Danielle. Uh, welcome to K. XNO, Trent and Ken, how are you? And what can you tell us uh, about that press release that went out yesterday? Very encouraging on the surface to the untrained eye. It, it really is. It's very exciting. We're very excited, and our hospital partners are very excited. Um, like you said, our first treatment of convalescent plasma happened here in our area at Unity Point. They have a COVID patient that received that transfusion last Friday. So we're looking for more and more donors that are eligible to give convalescent plasma. Those are people that either tested positive for COVID-19 or their physician diagnosed them with COVID-19. They're now able to donate convalescent plasma with LifeServe, and hopefully we can get more of this treatment to hospital patients that are currently fighting COVID-19. So walk me through this. I am not a smart man by any means. So Walk me through what this exactly means, what, what this is and what this, what this treatment can do for people that are fighting COVID-19. Sure, absolutely. So this is a plasma product that we are getting from folks that have fought COVID-19 and are now recovered. Mm-hmm. So they now have antibodies in their plasma that fought off the virus that we're hoping we can give to other people that are currently fighting the virus. So we're looking for people specifically that had COVID-19. They are now recovered, symptom-free, so they're feeling good. They can come into one of our LifeServe facilities, donate this convalescent plasma product, and then we are then taking that right over to the hospital, and they are transfusing these to patients that are currently fighting the virus, and we're hoping that those antibodies that help this other person will now help someone that's currently fighting. Danielle, help me out with this. So the so the patient that is is currently in the throes of COVID that that got the uh, that got the convalescent plaza, do, will they need to is this a process that they will need to repeat daily, weekly or once you get, you know, uh, I guess one infusion of plasma does that mean you're good or do you have to keep going uh, and giving that patient more on a daily basis or is, a, is it a one-time uh, infusion? So it's really experimental right now. We have seen good results nationwide um, where other physicians have tried this with COVID-19 patients. And I think even after one transfusion have seen um, a positive result. We have not heard if the patient on Friday, um, you know, how they're doing right now. This is uh, an exciting thing that a lot of physicians are requesting. And so these donations are going to the most critical patients at this time. So we're hoping that we hear soon that this has helped. Um, the donors that are coming in can come back and continue to donate this convalescent plasma product. So they can come back every 28 days and make this same donation. And one of these donations, we're actually splitting up into four different convalescent plasma treatments. So we had our first couple donors come yesterday um, in our community and donate this convalescent plasma product. And we were able to get eight different products wow. now that we're sending basically right away to hospitals because there's a lot of requests for this treatment. 
um, and we didn't have a lot of donors coming in. So we're hoping that we can continue to get those donors in the door to get this on the shelf because really nationwide, there's not a lot of this product around, but the hospitals and physicians are very excited about this. And so there's more and more requests popping up daily. You know, as you look at this, Danielle, it's uh, not just though for people, you guys are still looking for blood, still looking to do that also. So if you haven't fought COVID-19, if you're not in that area, you guys are still looking for blood donors, correct? Absolutely. We are more focusing on May, June, July. Mm. You know, our April calendar looks pretty strong. Um, but if this continues, if we're in the same situation, we're hoping that people continue to think about blood donation because it's we're always going to be there. We're an essential part of, you know, the healthcare system. So we need donors to continue to come in. And we're pushing everyone to our website. So if they're interested and they think they might be eligible to donate convalescent plasma, there's a whole page on our website with that information. If they're interested in being a blood donor, they can go to our website or give us a call and we can help direct them to the right donation and help get them an appointment. Uh, LifeServeBloodCenter.org, uh, located downtown East Village, uh, 431 East Locust Street in Des Moines. Danielle, in our final minute or so, is there anything that uh, Trent and I didn't ask you about that you want to make sure that you get out there? If so, now is your opportunity. <laughs> No, I appreciate you guys calling. I think, like you said, this is exciting for us. There's no real cure for COVID-19 patients, but this is an exciting treatment that seems to have positive results. So if people think they had COVID-19, if they were tested positive, if their physician said, yes, you have it, go to our website. We have a few pre-screening questions and a little process that we're doing before we're bringing people in the door. Um, and then, like you said, we're always going to be looking for blood donors, thinking about May and June. Please make an appointment if you can. We're not taking walk-ins right now just to ensure social distancing guidelines. So everyone can go to our website or give us a call. and We'll help them uh, make an appointment. Danielle West, LifeServe Blood Center, uh, joining the program again. Located at 431 East Locust Street in Des Moines, LifeServeBloodCenter.org. Danielle, great news, really encouraging news. Uh, keep doing what you're doing over there, and if uh, you need any more airtime, uh, reach out to Trent or myself, and we will certainly find that for you very quickly. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Daniel West, LifeServe Blood Center here in Iowa with some positive news, perhaps, Trent Condon. Love to hear that. Love to see that. And certainly the positives continue to trickle in as it feels like we're inching closer and closer to opening things back up, getting back some normalcy. crossed. And for us, getting sports back into our life. Well, we kind of have that this weekend, to an extent. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think maybe you're overstating right, it. Right, it's not a game. It's not a game. Well, we'll see a bunch of games, but we'll see the behind But you're the also scenes. different because old games don't do anything for you. Not a damn thing. And Especially I love Especially if I know the score. Yeah, I, I love going back and watching. In fact, I was going through DirecTV last night. And just looking for something different, something I didn't go across. And you know you have the on-demand page where you can go and find things that are on-demand. ESPN Classic has an on-demand page. I didn't know that. And there was 1983 Iowa basketball against Michigan. I think it was Roy Tarpley hit a buzzer beater to beat so the Hawks. So kind of like the HBO has that? Yes. I didn't know that. So that might be something for you to peruse, see if you can find something in there. that There was five or six Iowa basketball games I hadn't seen. Uh-huh. Um, flipped on, watched for a while, the Big Ten tournament game. 
when Luke Recker in the Big Ten yeah. tournament hit the back-to-back buzzer yeah. beaters, it was the one against Wisconsin, mm-hmm. was in there. So watch that one for a little bit. Just See, I like going back and doing that. But for you, you know the outcome just doesn't get you But going, I might huh? go way, way. I don't know. I'm anxious. You know what? That's something I will check out when I get home at some point today just to see what's on there. You know what I'm going to watch on Netflix this weekend is Aaron Hernandez's oh, yes. three-parter. Um, have you watched it? I have not. I'm going to watch that this weekend. Well, we're going to hear from the governor of uh, the state of Iowa, Kim Reynolds. She will lead things off uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. We're going to talk NFL draft with Matt Manasserian, a former scout for the Browns and the Saints. Sports Info Solution, Miller and Condon, another hour to go, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM.